Hey, this is Romancing the Zone, a podcast about a podcast about boys playing tabletop games. I'm Nell Bailey. And I'm Ann Kern. Let's roll. Ooh. Ooh. It's a three. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, you can't, you just can't really spin a three, honestly. You can't. But that's okay. We'll make it work. Sometimes you're going to have a day that's a three, and that's okay. Sometimes those days will be threes, like Mama always said. <laughs> <laughs> mama said there'd be days like threes. There'd be days like threes, my mama said. There it is. And now that that's out of the way, where is my sister? Yeah, she's gone again. She just keeps wandering away. Maybe, maybe oh, you wait. should put... Huh? What? I, I'm getting a message on our Notebook of Far speech. It oh. says... I've decided to stay with the fear bulbs. Okay, well, she's just going to stay with the fear bulbs, I guess. Well, that's her prerogative. I imagine she'll be happy there. Yeah, in the woods. It's nice. Right? No internet signal. Nothing to worry about. You're just in the woods. She loves hiking. She loves fear bulbs. Loves a tall person. This is great for her. <laughs> we'll see if she shows up next time. For now, let's you and I rejoin our friends here in front of Higginstaff. Wait, Wiggenstaff <laughs> School. Yeah, so when they come into this i was mm-hmm. i was building my mind palace around the description of, of <laughs> that travis was giving us of, uh-huh. of what was happening and and where yeah. exactly these students were being menaced and all of that so gray was just straight up standing on the front steps of the school oh yeah while this uh, was happening i think uh, straight up lounging i imagine he doesn't stand uh, until much later in this fight that's fair but but like so there were no teachers around who were like I mean, wait a minute. What are you what are you doing? There were no like students just trying to come, you know, come back to their dorm crossing the quad like, uh, okay, I guess there's a bunch of students tied to a tree. I guess they're doing what they want to be doing. That's probably fine. (laughs) I wonder if it's like, for lack of a better visual aid to go off of, I wonder if it's sort of like with Hogwarts, where Mm -hmm. like you have your one main entrance, you know, and like after dark, people aren't supposed to be out. So Mm -hmm. if it's almost like most people are asleep anyway so you yeah. could kind of get away with it i mean you would hope you would have sentries and stuff around the school but if he is still pretending to be the principal like we are deciding in our <laughs> minds that he is still being the principal i don't know maybe that's how you get away with it yeah i guess so maybe they're all good kids nobody was out late mm-hmm. doing anything they weren't supposed to be sneaking Uh-oh. back to the dorms everyone was already was already ensconced in bed <laughs> Only our bad boys and bad girl were out (laughs) when they shouldn't be. And now, apparently, Gray took that very personally. And yes, Mm -hmm. he did kidnap these kids and they're about to be attacked by hellhounds. Uh, good luck. Yeah. I feel so bad that, like, the way that they start this, basically, is Fitz kind of being like, I'm going to communicate my plan to Argo with just my eyes because of our our profound bond. And Argo's just kind of looking at them like, huh. (laughs) Uh." Listen, we were just having a personal discussion about how sometimes people are just ding-dongs. That Mm. is Argo. Like, you love him. (laughs) He's so cute. God, you eat a ding-dong. Yeah, I thought that was actually very funny and like weirdly in oh, character that, that Griffin as Fitz has decided that they have established this relationship where they can communicate with each other non-verbally. Yeah. And Clint representing Argo is like, I don't know if we're there yet, you know? <laughs> <laughs> 
Which, if we wanted to get a little deeper with it, you could look at that and see it almost as Fitz doesn't seem to get the closest with people. So perhaps mm-hmm. the relationship he has built with the Fearbug and with Argo seems very close to him. This is possibly the closest he feels he's gotten to anybody yeah. uh, versus Argo, who I'm under the impression has been a part of Cruz and is used to working with people. Or, you know, he's a rogue. He has to kind of keep his guard up. So mm-hmm. maybe to him, this relationship is still in a much earlier phase than it is from Fitzroy's point of view. Yeah. I mean, I think it would make sense that Fitz as someone who had been ostracized that when people Mm -hmm. accept him Uh, that maybe like his perception of their level of relationship is higher than it really is i'm not speaking from any personal experience or anything that might be relatable at this point in time this is all (laughs) just speculation (laughs) just speculating but it works ultimately there may have been some confusion there but they do sort of manage to communicate what they need to do to save these other students exactly even folding it into the lore it's like fitzroy tries to look at him argo kind of squints confused back (laughs) uh fitzroy just fine takes off for the tree they all head for this tree kicking off a classic action sequence Mm -hmm. for the start of this episode uh rainier fitzroy immediately buying them some time making the tough terrain for the dogs meanwhile argo armed to the teeth with his (laughs) knives and swords and whatnot is able to cut the rope holding the students and then very cleverly use rain to rouse them i really liked that yeah, I'm I'm sort of imagining in my mind that this was Argo's go-to when he was on a ship for when the sailors would be super drunk, mm. you know, like are still hung over the next morning <laughs> yeah. and, and he needed them to be awake and he would just, they'd just bring him in to have it rain. I love that. Either he's waking them up in their dorms or they were Peter Pan, Lost Boy style, tied each other up goofy around the mast <laughs> of the ship and he's like, I've been here. I know exactly what to do. <laughs> And maybe it's because he senses uh, his ability to think so quickly that Fitzroy gives our boy a little boost. I loved this moment. Yeah. And being like, you ready? Yeah, I thought that that played well. I mean, like, this is a situation where it's kind of unclear what to do first, and they still were pretty immediately able to go into genuinely being collaborative. Because I think that if you you know this is happening, obviously, in advance, but um, Mm -hmm. the characters don't. Right. It would have been completely justifiable if you had kind of done the tabletop equivalent of button mashing, you know, because they all have physical attacks. Like they could have just started unleashing those. And and even from the start, the things that they were doing were targeted in such a way to be like, how do we maximize our chance of success in this situation, mm-hmm. which is good. Yeah, it was impressive because even if you have an idea of what you're going into, which we all sort of did because of the way the previous episode left off, mm-hmm. these boys are still just armed with what they're armed with. It's not like you could run back to town real quick and think of something else that you might not have on you at the moment. And, you know, luckily for our boys, they've got their wits and they've got Fitzroy's magic, which uh, this time we got lucky with that wild magic, (laughs) which sounds like a euphemism. Yeah, the one time really that this has been 100% advantageous. And not just advantageous, but like, can you imagine Gray, like even without Fitzroy, like shouting to him, like, hey, (laughs) I wasn't even trying, you know, to do this. But the visual of like, like he's just doing a, a basic small spell and then he accidentally effectively just electrocutes fries. a bunch of the hellhounds. Yeah, right out the gate and so on brand. Yeah. Maybe it was like the, you know, the kind of like Looney Tunes thing where oh. they're like burned and it's just the giant eyeballs and then yes. it collapses into dust. Yes. Except for one which stays intact enough yes. for Rainier <laughs> to animate it. You got to keep one around for the the CBS sitcom Eight and a Half Hellhounds, right? Oh my <laughs> like- god. Obviously, yes. 
Oh my God. Thank you for saying that. I was like, they mentioned later eight and a half. I was like, who's the half? What? How do we have a half of a hellhound? <laughs> That's how. Thank you. Finally. <laughs> yeah. You sort of wonder if like, if this was reality, if for a second Fitz and Argo would have seen this hellhound get back up and been like, oh, come on. You right. Know, before they moment. realized that it was her magic. Yeah. It's once you see that green that it's like, oh, okay. All right. Everybody is using like their full range of abilities, I would say. Yeah. Including Rhaenyra in this, in this battle. I mean, because Clint is really enjoying the full range of stabbing <laughs> options that, oh. he, that he has available to him. Just unfurls his knife set while he's calling these poor, <laughs> poor innocent hellhounds, shanking them left and right. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's relatable. I mean, they are doggies with their little toe beans, and we just have to try not to think about that. I feel like I looked up hellhounds the first time they were calling them little doggies. Maybe I didn't. I'm going to look one up right now, and I might cut all of this. Let's see. D&D Well, I think we, we both have to look it up and see what they actually look like. Yeah, let's see. I mean, that's a dope-looking dog. I mean, it looks like a dog to me. Yeah. I mean, it's it's big, but listen, I think Great Danes are big and cute. So like, yeah, this one can sit and hang out while I watch TV. We can go yeah, to the park. I mean, you know, maybe they're just misunderstood. As they might be. Well, as they're trying to kill a bunch of people, I guess. So. Well, yeah. I'm sure in hell they make great pets. <laughs> maybe hopefully not. I don't know. Do we want to humanize? Well, not humanize. Oh, that's fair. Do we want to make these dogs cute as, as we continue to, to narrate this battle in which basically all of them die? <laughs> we will kill more and more of them. That is fair. That is fair. But it's good to have a visual. I feel like mm-hmm. I kept picturing them sort of like the, um, sorry for reminding everybody of this, but like essentially the... The skinless dogs in like Silent Hill that are just mm. real creepy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a little bit more like what Whereas, I was thinking, I think. Yeah, compared to those, these look very cute. So I get, I, I, I'm a little more understanding of both Clint and Griffin calling them cute puppers, innocent hellhounds. <laughs> but the fact is, yes, they are trying to really mess up our friends and ourselves. And Fitzroy's not having it. He is the goddamn avatar and he stomps his foot <laughs> And a wave of water washes over these dogs. Hopefully it hits gray. I don't think we got confirmation there. Uh, yeah, I don't think we did about whether. Yeah. I, yeah I'm not sure. I think I probably, I might have just not written that down. I think, I think I got distracted because I was thinking about the tidal wave and that Argo has to roll, but does have advantage. <laughs> and that my mental image was immediately that he just like, he just surfs, surfs it. Yes. Yeah. Please. Maybe he's got like a, a surfing rapier of some kind. Well, it would have oh. to be a sword. Rapiers are too thin. But you what know. if he can so deftly uh, create like an ice surfboard on the water? Oh, shape yeah. the water. Yeah, a little bit silver surfer there, kind of. Yeah. yeah. All right, Doug Jones. What's up? Yeah, let's <laughs> let's get into it. <laughs> Although he does, admittedly, he still takes eight points of damage. So I guess we have to assume it looks really cool for Mm -hmm. a second. And Fitz Mm -hmm. is like, oh, good, he's okay. And then he just completely beefs it absolutely right into the ground the dismount uh from from this uh, magical tidal wave is probably not really quite like being in the ocean (laughs) (laughs) it's definitely comical though so it didn't hurt him too too badly but Mm -hmm. maybe it was more just like an oh he just kind of like landed wrong versus like landing hard yeah yeah that's fair but it does of course help further hold back these dogs and Mm -hmm. it does cause some more wild magic to happen (laughs) and Fitzroy you are now three people just pointing himself like that spider-man oh my god (laughs) (laughs) everything about this is funny to me especially and most definitely the way that Griffin then proceeded to play out Mm -hmm. there being three Fitzroys 
This is the only time that I will ever make a criticism about the editing on this, but... Oh, put them all together. It would have been so funny if they had... And I know not everybody listens on headphones, so it wouldn't have mattered if they weren't listening in stereo. But you could have panned, taken those clips, and just panned those sections so that it sounded like three Fitzroy's. And I think that would have been very funny. But that's that's my one one criticism that I... In my heart, I wanted that to happen, and it did not. Yeah. But my mental image can make up for it. Oh, it's so easy to paint this mental picture. And it's a beautiful picture because Fitzroy is already a beautiful boy. And now we have extras (laughs) of him. And hey, now everybody can date him. (laughs) Rainier, you got a date. Argo, you got a date. Fearbulg, when you get back, you got a date. And there's still, wait, okay. Yes, he only had the two copies, right? Or did he have three copies? It was three, no, it was three of them total, right? So it was two copies? I think so. That sounds right. So there you go. Yeah. Date, date, date. Okay, perfect. It must have been so that when the hellhound then attacks and gets yeah. one of the duplicates, <laughs> this must have been very upsetting for this hellhound. <laughs> I feel like on my second listen, I noticed Travis about to say something about the dog after biting it. So I feel like you are right <laughs> and that he, we were going to get a little bit more. But then Griffin, of course, was being funny. So we didn't hear whatever Travis was about to finish saying. But I imagine it's exactly along those lines. This whole battle is very Scooby-Doo in the best possible way. Oh, it is absolute cartoon chaos, and it was so much fun. I had a great time listening to this entire episode. This fight was fun. Uh, Ooh, but then it also gets a little dramatic. Mm -hmm. We're over here goofing around. There's multiple Fitzroys. There's water everywhere. And then suddenly, a shadow crosses over the moon, and it's drawing closer to us. (gasps) Riding in... On the eagle wings of some power guitar. Yes. Oh, this music. That's the opposite of my criticism of of editing that I have just stated. That was great. (laughs) Yes. Welcome back, Fearabolg. This was how you make an entrance. Mm -hmm. And especially because he immediately like swoops in. He sideswipes one dog, bites at another, talons a dog that's on Argo. You're messing with his boys. And we didn't mention at the beginning, but it was very cute that uh, the thing that Fitzroy did do while they were rushing over the tree was to write very hurriedly in his notebook like hi come back come home uh, now, yes please. yes so and fear was on it he wasted no time he is a fear bulk of action like oh 100%. he certainly is do you think that maybe he was already on his way back or do you think perhaps let's take a beat and consider where he was at the time when he got that message like maybe he was just leaving his father's house mm. or maybe he was still sitting there for just a beat And then his notebook went off and it could almost be this beautiful poetic moment of like, okay, my sire is now sleeping. Good night, sweet prince. Another prince needs me. I must be off to my other clan. Yeah, I, I, th- now I'm trying to figure out if this is like a standardized test math problem. Of mm. like, you know, if there's this distance between the forest and the yeah. battle with the tied up students, right. how fast does the giant eagle have to fly <laughs> to get there? <laughs> and I could do this math, potentially. Sure, I could attempt you... to do this math, but I would have to make up all of the variables. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think we can probably safely assume that the larger the eagle is, probably mm-hmm. the faster it flies because you know, yeah. it's big right the more the more distance you can cover in a shorter amount of time i would think so he's just fast enough to have impeccable timing which is mm. really the only thing that matters it really is a showy entrance guitar riffs great timing you got it all mm-hmm 
especially now that this giant eagle has shown up, these hellhounds, they are having a bad day. Because, like, the next thing that happens, like, they've just gotten back up from (laughs) all this going on. And suddenly Mm -hmm. Argo has made the ground into a skating rink. And they're just, like, immediately sliding all over, can't stand up. A lot of woo-woo-woo-woo sounds. (laughs) (laughs) They're all kind of, like, bumping into each other. It's cute, but also there's still a threat, so, you know. Mm -hmm. And before we can even have a giggle over these funny little dogs, He's losing their footing and falling over. Argo notices he's got that feeling that we've all had where you realize somebody is watching me. It's very, very ominous and concerning. Very unnerving. Mm -hmm. Because not only does he look up and see Grey looking at him, but like it's that kind of thing where it's like, oh, he's been watching you this entire time. Mm Mm-hmm. I feel like we called it saying, uh, I think it was the last episode or the one before, that we did talk about our concerns about this plan that they have to confront Grey and that Argo seems to be suffering lingering effects um, yeah. from having the psychic damage in the Hell Dimension and that's something, you know, like, is he still kind of connected to that? Is it something that could get worse if he goes back? Could it get worse on its own anyway? And it does yeah. seem like, in fact, somehow this has connected him to Grey in a very bad sense. Right. Because as soon as he he kind of makes that direct eye contact, he takes a little bit of mental damage, which suggests Mm -hmm. that it's almost like a lingering poison or something. What happened to him in the hell dimension. It's, I think it's made him vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Um, just in general. And it, that vulnerability is something that Grey can and absolutely will take advantage of, clearly. Right. Oh, you know what it's like? It's like in, um... Hellboy 2, The Golden Army, Mm -hmm. which is a film I unironically absolutely love. (laughs) Again, what up, Doug Jones? (laughs) But there's a scene in this movie. It's a little bit spoilery, but I'll try not to make it too spoilery. Somebody gets stabbed with a thing that they can't get out. But Mm -hmm. if you try to, like, mess with it, it'll keep burrowing deeper. And I feel like that's sort of what the Hell Dimension effect is on Argo, possibly. Yeah, yeah. Like, maybe something that's actively getting worse over time. Or Uh it's kind of like a a crack in his psyche that that they can sort of shove things into, which is not good. so graphic. Yeah. Right. Gray can still manipulate it. Yeah, it's it's a good thing that Fitz like kind of notices that something weird uh, is going on and immediately like turns the tables. Listen, listen. <laughs> this entire thing, the fact that Fitzroy is able to notice that Argo's attention has been diverted mm-hmm. and that something is wrong, and then not missing a beat to be like "fuck you," attacks Gray. Ah, uh, girl, that's romantic. Especially that that was psychic damage too. I'm like, yeah, yes. give that guy a taste of his own medicine. Ooh, Gray thought he was being so cute. Like, oh, I'm gonna mess with a uh, little Argo because he got affected by my hell dimension. Oh shit! And then all of a sudden, Fitzroy was like, "Hey, what are you looking at my boy for? What are you doing, huh?" <laughs> and the damage that Fitzroy caused was enough to make him physically yeah. react to it. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but then. <laughs> Go ahead and decide that he's not going to play anymore. He's going to leave in a huff. Yeah, got him on the run. Ugh, yeah, you can try, Gray. And even better, the effect of this spell is that Fitzroy can know where he is for Mm -hmm. up to an hour. Yeah, that's a fun side effect. And this is a sort of side effect that potentially would not have been useful, but seems like it might be useful this time. I liked even hearing the way that uh, Travis responded to it. Like when he heard the effects of the spell, he he was excited by it. And again, Mm -hmm. it's more fun for everybody when all the players and the DM are having fun. Yeah, definitely. Especially if the DM is like, ooh, that's tasty. I can do something (laughs) with that. I can play with this. 
So well, we know that might be a little snack we have waiting for us later. First, though, now that Gray is gone, of course, these dogs are like, well, what the hell am I sticking around here for? Yeah. Most of them get away. Uh, Arga does finish one off, though. Just, just for good measure. Just to make sure that they knew what they're about. Exactly. It's a keep the change, you filthy animal moment. <laughs> <laughs> and then we do come to the ad break. And I only bring this up because I really like this music here. It is very nice music. Yeah. It's really pretty. It's like this, this like Arhu sound. Mm-hmm. Very pretty. I like it. I'm excited to get the uh, the band camp for this one. Mm-hmm. But anyway, more importantly, everybody who had been put in dangerous fine, we're all making our way back into the school. Mm-hmm. And I was so excited because literally while I was listening to this episode I was suddenly like sat up and was like wait a minute I was promised a fantasy giant robot where is my warforged (laughs) and then here they are it's right here yes you would have rioted if it had not been delivered upon (laughs) I was at least ready to start a petition something (laughs) luckily the wishes have been granted though and not only do we have our first interaction with Oz but it's a good one Mm -hmm. when it says Meet me on the balcony if you want to win this war. Uh, mm-hmm. excuse me. Mama, please. That's that's how you do it. That's how you make an entrance. Yes, absolutely. And they do leave it at that because it is well past bedtime. Mm-hmm. All the students are heading back to their dorms. Rainier is heading back to her dorm. And uh, yeah, we have a date set up and the Fearbulk is back. Thank goodness. But still currently a giant eagle. <laughs> still currently an eagle. And in turning back, decided to bring some horror to druidic transformation. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, some serious <laughs> audio body horror here. What really? was Justin even doing to make those awful noises? <laughs> I wonder, it made me think of the uh, Candle Knights episode of Mabibam when they're all like transforming into each other, mm-hmm. but then not... Yes. Yeah, I, I, like, I don't know, though, because I know most of it was his mouth. Uh, because he is a very talented voice actor. But yes. there were definitely some sounds that I was like, has he got celery or something? What is he oh, doing? They definitely added some extra foley into this, I hope. Just sweeten that mix a little bit. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe he's that inventive and it was just whatever happened to be on his desk and he was able to make it work. Very impressive if that is the case. It was upsetting. I mean, like, I respect it. It was also, that was definitely, I didn't think that audio body horror was a thing, but here we are. (laughs) Here we are. And again, I wonder if it's also just like having played like World of Warcraft and when druids transform. Is the Fearbulk a druid or did I just decide that to him? Yeah, he's a druid. Okay, thank you. You imagine it being very like, I don't know, like elegant and seamless and instead it was a little bit more the fly a little mm-hmm. bit more like oh no you've almost reached your limit as an anamorph sort of transformation yeah. yeah it's more like uh i'm trying to decide if this is a spoiler or not um it is more like a character on skyjacks the campaign Ooh. podcast with the sky ah. pirates in it there is a character who transforms and it is not pretty when they do. So that, that so concept of it, not it's not quite the Animorphs cover, you know? Yeah. It's not quite as, uh, quite as easy as that. Maybe this is the era where we bring to light the true horrors of transforming into something that has such different bone structure from mm-hmm. you. Gotta got hollow out those bones somehow. It's not going to be... Not going to be nice. I mean, when he, like, explained it, I was like, yeah, it does sound just terrible. It also, you know, I mean, it works from a story standpoint of kind of justifying, like, this is not a thing you're going to do for fun yeah. as a party trick. Yeah. You don't spend uh, a spell slot for a wild shape, right? It's like a cantrip. Uh, I we need probably. Britney for that. Anyway. Um, 
I will not say that with any authority, but um, but it makes sense to like you know to have the magic have consequences and and have it be something yeah. that you can't just use lightly because yeah. then it can become like a joke. Like this, this it makes it more powerful as a spell in Certainly. a story context to yeah. to have it be a little bit messy to use. Mm-hmm. And again, makes for some great audio. <laughs> so that's one thing we did learn about the fear ball. Mm-hmm. But as far as other things that we could possibly learn or the rest of the party could learn, he is going to hold on to those for now. Because mm-hmm. his boys do, of course, ask how his home life is or how his, how yeah. his plan is doing. And uh, he's going to hold on to those cards. They are learning. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's a difficult, uh, difficult thing to decide whether or not you're ready to share with somebody that, you know, yeah. you lost someone. And I think it's um, big. Yeah. I can understand why he felt like maybe that information wasn't for them. Sure. At least not at this moment. Yeah. It's still yeah. very raw. It's still very new. Yeah, especially since it's night now, I assume that this this was, you know, now my mental image is like, you know, the sun was was setting on their village when this happened. And, oh, you know, yeah. He just kind of sat there be. in the twilight for a while. And I think oh, he needs yeah. to, he probably needs to sit with this for longer before he's ready to talk about it. Absolutely. If he's ever ready. Yeah, totally understandable. And, you know, it has been a hell of a day. Let's all go to bed. Let's, Let's all, all flap our shy. arms back to the door. <laughs> Justin, always bringing it back with those goofs. Appreciate it every time. And uh, just as Argo is catching the sleepy train, uh-oh, it makes a sudden stop in hell with Grey. I, yeah, I don't like this. And I don't mean I don't like this in a story sense. I love this in a story sense. Uh, yes. I don't I don't like this for Argo because oh, I feel no, bad for him. I know. This is rough. This is it's... rough because now we have absolute confirmation that Grey absolutely knows that, that the Hell Dimension messed with him. And, yes. And that he can exploit that. And that's not good. Yeah, it's super bad bad as far as argo is concerned for us Mm -hmm. i am loving this this is adding some menace and mystery Mm -hmm. and intrigue because all of a sudden you not only have chaos who knows what fitzroy is doing you have argo who is affected directly by gray and the hell dimension itself on like a mental level Mm -hmm. so that opens up all sorts of possibilities of how dangerous is argo going to be how dangerous is gray going to be now with having a little bit of influence over Thunderman LLC. Mm-hmm. I am here for this. They were already concerned about, you know, whether they had to worry about moles and enemies within mm-hmm. their own ranks, but that was just within the school. This is within right. the three of them, and that's very concerning. Right. This is supposed to be their, like, their safe place is supposed to be between the three of them. And, like, their greatest strength, really, even despite the Fearbulg not being comfortable talking about what happened with his sire and mm-hmm. Argo maybe not always reading uh, Fitzroy's mental beaming <laughs> through his eyes or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, they're they're a pretty tightly knit group, and I think Gray knows Absolutely. that and knows that that's what he <gasps> needs to drive a wedge into. Oh, my God, he's so jealous. While they were making their list of things to attack for Gray, his hot body, Aaron Samuels, and his army of skanks, <laughs> meanwhile... Gray was going, these three are so close. I'm so jealous. How do I start breaking that up? Yeah. That's my guess. Because he even says, as he's talking to Argo, he's like, oh, I now have confirmation that I do have some influence here. Yeah. And he's delighted by it. He says specifically that this is going to be very fun. Yeah. You know, he's not a good guy, Gray. He's a real dick. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, the, the good news is, as it is, it has started to, it is pouring rain here very dramatically, just as we started talking about gray. Ooh. Suddenly it was sunny, and suddenly it got very dark, and it started pouring rain. So gray's, gray's messing with me, too, apparently. Oh, God. Uh, Don't let him get too close. Obviously, that goes very badly. <laughs> but, but fortunately for Argo, at the very last minute, just as this spell is dying, <gasps> Fitz sees that gray is there, maybe you for guys. just a second. So he knows something is wrong. He may not have right. really like remarked upon it. He maybe he thinks it was his imagination. Mm-hmm. But this is a piece of information that he has now that maybe is going to help in the future. Right. Because in this episode, we don't get any immediate follow up with what has happened with Argo that he's going to share with his boys. Mm-hmm. But if nothing else, Fitzroy being alerted to Argo and the situation in that one moment mm-hmm. put Fitzroy in a position to be aware at least that Grey, if not physically in Argo's room, was still in Argo's room. Mm-hmm. which will hopefully be able to be a seed somewhere that he can know somehow this guy is mentally interacting with my boy. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And you know, this is one of those things where I totally understand for the sake of the story and for moving things along, uh, you know, we can't sit and rap about everything. Mm-hmm. But before moving on to breakfast, I'm like, this is, this whole episode is full of moments where I'm like, this is where the fan fiction comes in. <laughs> this is where then you can really uh, expound expand expand okay you can really expound is that the word i want I think, well, actually, either would be accurate. But yeah, it's like, okay. it's, it's those those moments where you get to hit pause and yeah. then you can expand a tiny moment into something right. larger and more complicated and really like explore what that actually means about the characters' relationships, which, you know, they can't do in the format that they're doing, but they've, exactly there's like that space, you know, you get that yes. little, that little sparkle, like there's yeah. a vein of gems in there. Absolutely. Absolutely. If anybody's writing about these scenes, I want to, I want read it (laughs) because for now the rest of us are going to pick back up at breakfast yeah we're even breakfast now there is like a bad vibe like even the most oblivious people at the school are like i'm not sure that things are quite right i mean i you kind of wonder like is there one super stoner kid who's the only one who (laughs) thinks that everything is fine oh he's having the best year he's having the best year so far (laughs) He's just invited everyone to midnight hacky sack at the tree tonight. And everyone's like, did you not hear about the hell house? <laughs> the bad news is that kid, once he becomes paranoid, is going to be the most paranoid out of That's everybody true. in the school. <laughs> That's going to break real bad for him. But for now, he's still just chilling. Everybody else, though, yes, is finally aware that like, okay, there is something going on here. Maybe they're finally realizing that there are possibly two principals walking around. Mm. But the vibe, the vibe is different here in the cafeteria. Yeah, I was actually a little bit interested. I Not that I was surprised exactly, but I kind mm-hmm. of wondered if the students were even going to remember that happening. If like Gray mm. was just going to erase their memories or something, well, since we've had a lot of like memory erasing stuff in the past. Yeah. And, you know, he's still kind of trying to hold on at least a little bit to this being not public knowledge <laughs> that all of this right. is going on. So right. Yeah, I was intrigued by that. Yeah, I think that that's actually another great possibility for like 
a fanfic. Like, what do you think these students went and talked about? Do you want to make your own little OC? Did they go to Wiganstaff school? Were they out there at the tree? Was their friend out there at the tree? Mm-hmm. I feel like there's a lot of potential. And this is obviously not a read at all on how much information we're getting from Travis because no. we have a story to stick to here. You get this with any tale where you have a very expansive kind of sandbox to play in. Uh, there's just so much potential for what did these other students talk about when they went back to their dorms? Yeah, that's that's always my job as a fan, I think, too. Yeah. Look in the background of the shot and be like, what's yes. that one's story? <laughs> you <know>? Yeah. <laughs> and usually it's not, you know, maybe it's nothing interesting or, or uh, relevant, but I always wonder anyway. Yeah, I really want to know what that stoner kid is thinking. Was he one of the people out there at the tree? <laughs> I'm going to say canonically, yes, he is. <laughs> Which is why he thought he had a fun time. There were some dogs there. He wants to go back out tonight, play some hacky sag, like you said. But yeah, I feel like it's kind of a tell for really cool world building when you Mm -hmm. make those spaces that make us wonder what else is possibly going on in the background. And it doesn't necessarily affect the story. And you don't Mm -hmm. know how much the main story affects the background. But the possibility is there. Yeah, yeah. It's it's leaving the right amount of space for those things to exist. Mm -hmm. And further good news... Althea's back. And uh, unfortunately, with the news that apparently the hog is already interfering with what she was doing, which yeah. means, in fact, there are people higher on the food chain than she is who uh-huh. definitely work for Grey. Our fears are confirmed. There's only so much she can do. And understandably, like we've seen just in the previous episode, Fitzroy is a little, he's not necessarily mad at her, but he's Mm -hmm. disappointed. He's very disappointed and is kind of over it. And I like the way that Griffin is playing this, that like, yeah, this kid has a lot on his plate and it seems everywhere he turns, he's either being questioned or in this case, this person who they were really hoping to bring them some big pull here Mm -hmm. hasn't really brought them anything. Yeah, I mean, as we discussed before, this is a guy who has some really significant and legitimate issues with authority, the, just mm-hmm. the concept of authority. And, Absolutely. And he keeps being proven right and, yeah. and justified in that, you know, that he was hoping that she was going to be more than she was uh and right that's that's not what they're getting right because even when she (laughs) offers to do whatever he asks i felt for him so much in this moment where it's like i don't know girl like go find (laughs) the people you actually do know yeah you're great and i appreciate your help so much but like i can't do everything (laughs) was sort of how it felt which is unfair to althea like she's doing what she can Mm -hmm. she almost got an inspection of the school going and very sweetly she does have argo come to her defense yeah, see, I so this is an interesting point that we may differ on. I thought that this was the first indication that Argo was acting suspicious. <gasps> I was just praising Clint for making Argo sound very tired. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you could read it that way. I immediately read it as that he was playing this, I mean, I admittedly, like, reasonable that. standpoint, but in a way that seems suspicious to me. <laughs> like, yeah. That him him not... saying this in this moment, I, I felt like, oh, this is maybe this is Gray trying to steer them away from looking Ooh. into this. I felt like it was the, the first indication that something was wrong, but I don't know. It, I hadn't read it like that at all, but I love this idea. I was just so like, oh, Clint is making a character choice possibly to make Argo sound a little shaken and a little tired from whatever nightmare yeah. he had. So you went shaken but... and I went shady. <laughs> yes, interesting. 
I I genuinely wonder what it is. Because, yeah, did, like, Travis give him some off-the-table context Mm -hmm. to just be like, hey, for what it's worth, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure either. That was just the the way that I immediately leaned. Very interesting. Yes, I I would be curious to know um, how much was Clinton making character choices and how Mm -hmm. much was possibly him knowing some things that he should be doing with the character. Mm Hmm? <laughs> Uh-oh. Whichever it is, it does effectively have Fitzroy and Fearbold kind of backing off. Not that they were, like, super upset with Althea or mm-hmm. anything. Yeah, well, I mean, it, the Fearbold already has a good backup plan. He's going to get a bunch of dogs together. I <laughs> good mean... dogs. Which is win-win, really. And they're going to tie yeah. up some demons. Yeah. I'm extremely angry with Justin for making that Rough Riders joke because it was entirely too good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen... I love an idea person. I love a person who is solution-oriented, and the Fearbulg <laughs> is bringing it, and I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. That's the person you want on your team. That's true. <laughs> He's going to have a great resume. He really will. You know, it's all about who you know and what you can bring to the table, mm-hmm. and that kind of goes for Althea, too. Fitzroy essentially tasks her with, you can't trust the hog? Go make your own. Mm-hmm. Go find the people you do know you can trust and turn it into a genuinely like underlined heroic guild. Use those connections, put them to good use. Come on. Well, and you know, the other thing that it did make me think as they were talking to Althea was, I wonder if there was some other reason besides the obvious why Grey was so against her showing up at the school when she did the first time. Yeah, I mean, it seems like there there is a strong possibility that there was more to it than we know. Mm-hmm. Right, because like the obvious answer is, well, she works for the hog and she doesn't work for him. Mm-hmm. But is there something more? I feel like there easily could be something more. If there's yeah. something she specifically has done or somebody she specifically knows or something she specifically knows. Yeah, well, she has access to some things they're going to need. Exactly. (laughs) And hopefully next time they will remember (laughs) to ask her. You know, we've all done that. Where it's like, oh, shoot, I... I did need you to pick me up something from Target. Oh, well, I'll, <laughs> hopefully I'll remember the next time you make a run. But first they have to visit Fantasy Claire's accessories, I guess. Yes. <laughs> For Before we get items. to Target, let's go to Claire's. <laughs> Crabtree has made those True Sight specs for all of them mm-hmm. that they requested a while ago. Matching glasses. It's going to be cute. They're going to look like a squad. (laughs) They totally will, but the boys aren't into it. (laughs) I mean, it it is fair. Not all frames look great on every face. That's true. I like that Argo wanted some goggles. I was immediately (laughs) like, does he mean like diving goggles or steampunk goggles? I, I gotta go steampunk. I, I think I That's think Clint would have gone too. steampunk. That was what I was assuming. Same here, especially with that mustache mm-hmm. and like the swashbuckly kind of look, sky pirate, steampunk, yep. it all goes together. Yeah. Gotta put gotta put some steam in your fantasy and a little bit of punk. <laughs> That's the tagline <laughs> for our upcoming show. <laughs> and then I feel like for Furbog, I could see him having little like rectangle frames. Hmm. Yeah, I was thinking round, but maybe rectangle would be better. I feel like I feel like Argo's more of a cat's eye, probably. Oh, I would love that. I see him having, yeah, those like big rectangular kind of cat eye. Yeah, like at the corners or at the top? Yeah, like at the top two corners, mm-hmm. like sticks out a little bit. Very sharp. So yeah, in that case, if that's what Fitz is wearing, then yes, Fearbulg, to keep it uh, varied, he can have either, yeah, little round or little like oval frames. The power move would be that would look good on all of them. Is if they were shutter shades. I think that <gasps> might be the way to go to there really get that squad vibe. 
Absolute Squad vibes, you could get so much more material into it because you have so much more area on <laughs> the glasses. Crabtree? <laughs> could I get you back here for a second? Yeah, I think this is the way to go. Well, we'll see if they end up changing them up at all. She did what you asked. You guys, be happy about it. <laughs> also, be even more happy. You also get little jewelry accessories. Yep, there's a discount, a like buy three for the price of one <laughs> something like that a ring with each pair of true sight specs mm-hmm. you buy so uh let's dole these out Fitzroy, you're going to get the ring of truth i liked all of these rings of course <laughs> this one being the sympathetic magic it's also a good excuse to hold somebody's hand and pretend <laughs> you're getting them to tell you the truth i loved that as a feature partially because it totally seems like the sort of thing that you would say to somebody if it wasn't true like mm-hmm. no we actually have to hold hands or this isn't going to work <laughs> i need you to hold my hand and look me in the eye and um tell me the truth and if you don't tell me the truth i can totally tell mm-hmm. which sounds like a gigantic lie <laughs> I mean, you know, it's also, maybe it's very psychologically healthy because you're asking for physical intimacy Mm. and you are also Mm -hmm. asking for consent because this doesn't work if you, if the person doesn't know that, that you have this ring on. Right. You can't trick them into telling you the truth. It's healthy for your relationships in the long run, one assumes. (laughs) Oh, I can't wait to see how this plays out with Fitzroy and everybody he knows and has to lie detect with. I do feel like it might come up at some point with his own own dear boy Argo Mm -hmm. who we all knew as soon as he failed that test and Travis was like you suddenly feel jealous I was like the green vision green Mm -hmm. with envy oh no yeah so this is like the other incident aside and whatever that meant we definitely know for sure now that something has been done to Argo because this Mm -hmm. is definitely not this is something coming from outside him this is not just the way that he feels I mean maybe it's amplifying something that he might have felt anyway as opposed to like a whole cloth emotion that he wouldn't have experienced at all Um, yes I mean, it's still possible that he would be, like, just a little bit jealous. Sure. Clint might I mean, be a seems, little bit yeah. jealous that it's the ring of truth because he's Mr. Zone mm. of Truth. You know, who knows? Yeah. But <laughs> Love it. And just in general, yeah, I think that that is the huge danger here because, of course, if we look back at our own murder board and remember that Argo does already have some a little bit of jealousy mm-hmm. for Fitzroy and Fearbolg and the relationship that they have together. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like Grey picked that one out and decided to make it even worse, make it to really yeah. exemplify it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's worse, right? Like, I mean, if somebody's being mind controlled or something, they're they're taking uh, actions that they're not responsible for. But uh-huh. if you are manipulating someone in a way that allows you to rummage around in their psyche and find a weakness that they already have and then amplify yeah. it and use that against them, that's really damaging. Like, that's some heavy, complicated like stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Because, of course, we don't know for sure that this is what Grey was able to do. But the mm-hmm. fact that he knew he was going to be able to have fun with it And we know that he's a dick means that he knew whatever he was doing was going to start breaking up this lovely little friendship between these three boys. Mm -hmm. Poor Argo. Poor Argo. We're seeing the starting effects of it, which is where I feel like I'm hoping at some point we might have a moment with the Ring of Truth with Fitzroy and Argo. Mm -hmm. I don't know exactly what it would be, but if there's going to be some sort of tell Mm -hmm. that Argo is doing a thing he wouldn't naturally be doing. Yeah. I mean, he could ask him a really simple question. It could just be like, are you okay? Uh, oh, Anne. 
That is so damn poetic. I love that. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what happens. And Argo gets a dope ring too. He gets mm-hmm. the eavesdrop ring, which will let him hear what's in the next room mm-hmm. when he puts it on a wall or a door. That's yeah, great. Or a window. Yeah. Or like a window. Th- 30 seconds is a fairly long period of time. It's maybe a you little short, so you might miss something important, but it's enough to get something juicy. Yes. If you get it just right. 30 seconds is longer than you think it is when mm-hmm. it's something that's going to make a difference in what you need to know mm-hmm. and of course he's acting like it's like oh it's not as as nice as <laughs> as Fitzroy's which of course has Crabtree just like well uh, you're welcome <laughs> oh that complicated aspect of jealousy where you think whatever you're getting isn't any good yeah and I do like that Clint though got a little clever with it and uh when he fails his role again and these were abysmal roles for his <laughs> attempt to overcome the feelings that he's feeling here when it gets to Fearbulg's kind of ring veil combo love it mm-hmm. I like that Clint did put out there for a moment like well maybe one of us should just have all of it. <laughs> Maybe that's better if essentially I just have everything. Yeah, yeah. I wonder how long it's going to take before they notice that he's acting strange. Like, it, it is a little I sad to too. think, like, oh no, is this, do they think that this is, you know, a bit much, but maybe on par for him? Like, do they right. in fact not know him well enough to be able to tell when something's wrong? Yeah. That's kind of heartbreaking. Uh, it is. I feel like that's the exciting thing, too, is that all of these boys are interested in trying to play as honestly as they can to their characters, mm-hmm. especially with the choices they've made so far. Yeah. I could see, especially like, Fearbold maybe noticing and being a little on alert Mm -hmm. and I could see Fitzroy noticing and like initially wanting to kind of push back before realizing hey maybe this isn't my friend like maybe this isn't his fault well and the funny thing bringing it back to these accessories that Argo very uncharacteristically is actively trying to like take all for himself Mm -hmm. (laughs) this tangled web wouldn't even make sense for him it's perfect (laughs) for Fearbug though yeah I mean I think Travis definitely put a lot of thought not just into tailoring these accessories to the specific characters but in terms of like what they could be used for in the future Mm -hmm. you know because i think this is not a criticism of balance right but there were definitely some items that were available in the costco (laughs) because they were fan submissions and because people were just having fun and doing really cool (laughs) nonsense which i loved but in this situation in this story it's different because these are not only specific to the characters but they are i think specific to potential future moments yeah because you can take a really silly item and it can become a really pivotal plot point but yeah. these feel like they already have the potential to do that right I-, I thought it was interesting that i think it was griffin says that oh like that's a cool thing that i'm definitely not going to forget i have right. and i was immediately like no this was definitely designed so that even though it seems like it's it's kind of underpowered that it's not like a mm-hmm. huge thing mm-hmm from a story standpoint, there are a lot of possibilities here about how you could use this in a scene to do something really powerful, um, like emotionally powerful and story powerful. Uh, yeah. You know, so not not everything is, is a, a flaming, raging, poisoning sort of doom, you know? <laughs> not everything is an immovable rod. Yeah. Which I think that's also what's so interesting about these items is that sometimes you have something that seems very innocuous or goofy that ends up Mm-hmm. making a huge difference and then sometimes you also had things that those boys got during balance where you're like oh my god it would have made such a difference <laughs> if you would remember that you had it whereas i do feel like these all feel like even if they're not going to completely change the game in like a massive way i feel like they are still going to give them enough of a foothold against mm-hmm. again 
a demon prince from hell. I feel like this is going to make it, not that easier isn't the word, but make it more fair footing. Because as they yeah. even said with Althea, and we kind of skimmed past it, the fact is that Grey doesn't have to abide by the same rules these boys keep having to abide by. Mm-hmm. So if nothing else, these items are going to help make that a little bit more level. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no like right or wrong answer with the path that those kinds of stories go in. So like you can... Yeah. You can have goofy items. You can have really carefully designed items. You, it's difficult Certainly. to predict what's going to be useful and what isn't. Yeah. Um, in what moment, when? Yeah. I mean, and that's that's down to like, do you remember that you had this? Could you think right. of the way to solve the puzzle using this particular thing? And I, I think mm-hmm. that's really exciting. But I also think that there is some strong evidence here that Travis is gaming really far ahead with these items and that it was not arbitrary. And I respect that. Yeah. I'm interested to see, one, where they end up using them and two, potentially where Travis intended for them to use Mm -hmm. them. And I'm equally delighted by the fact that Griffin, at least in terms of what he said in the recording, may be thinking that this is not useful. Like that I actually find really delightful. That the idea of somebody (laughs) giving you something that they know could potentially be really pivotal and you as a player kind of being like, well, I don't know what this is for. It's like when you get, you know, you get some key in the dungeon and and you're like, well, this isn't the key for the door that I need. So it's not going to be useful. But then it's like, no, you need that in the final boss battle. (laughs) Please don't throw that down the pit. You're going to want that later. I also like the idea that the tangled web that you have to squeeze your fist to activate it because it immediately made me think of the Arthur meme, but with the pure bulk. Uh, that may have to be what I draw later. So that, that'll be my meme it. for this arc. I did one for Amnesty. I'll do one for Graduation. Perfect. I can't wait for it. Well, and you know, the funny thing is that like all of these items are so good. And like we said, they are kind of attuned to who needs them the most. But mm-hmm. we still have Argo being kind of jealous. And this is where you truly see that it isn't just him being a brat to his friends. Yeah. Because yeah. Fitzroy offers to trade with him if he wants it, which is very sweet on Fitzroy's part. Yeah. And he's like, okay. Hey, if you're going to be upset, I'll take your ring. But no, 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 no. Argo wants his ring too. Because as soon as Fitzroy wants it, he wants it. Yeah. And that's the tell. This is very like younger sibling who didn't get the toy they yes. wanted in the Happy Meal, but also doesn't want to trade. <laughs> yes, it's exactly that. Argo, that Happy Meal was just for you. Also, you know you're all going to play together. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and now, most importantly, we have a date with Osmond Dalias. <laughs> Over at Jackal's place. Listen, it is bringing everything. Warforged, war hero. It can count. Come mm-hmm. on. And uh, Fitz immediately, in fact, has use for this ring. Uses it yes. in the same episode. You eat your own words, Griffin. Just to make sure that uh, this this character is being honest with them, which which, which it is, is very smart. Yes, and even the fact that it allows Fitzroy to hold hands mm-hmm. and to ask the question and just see, which I think even in Oz's position makes total sense because especially if you are so renowned and so good at war and being aware of deception and Mm -hmm. deceit yeah it's a respectable thing that uh this boy would want to make sure that the person that they are working with is on the level yeah Oz seems like a a extremely straight shooter definitely doesn't have time for any kind of obfuscation or intrigue or any of that it's just or really even a conversation with anything unnecessary in it which is fair you know yeah immediately Oz is like I have five questions Mm -hmm. that I need you to be able to ask (laughs) how are they going to mask their true plan Mm -hmm. which is essentially to act like they're doing the plan 
Act yeah. like they're building a war. And then how you distract Grey during your assaults. Mm-hmm. I forget what they said there. I didn't write down their answers. <laughs> um, they said they were going to wait until Grey was sleeping. Oh, right, right, right. Yes. And then how can you be sure Grey will be in his palace when striking? Which mm-hmm. they say, it will wait till night when he goes to sleep. <laughs> which isn't the best answer because they don't actually know no. if he sleeps. Yeah. Or at what time. These are clearly questions that they have not, in fact fully ask yeah. themselves because right. that would be indicated in their answers here that yes. it's only just now occurred to them maybe he doesn't sleep. Yes. So it is a good thing that somebody is asking these because they mm-hmm. did come into this thinking they had answers and they have parts of answers, we could say, to mm-hmm. be kind. Because then the next question is, how will you get the weapons that you need from the hog? Heist episode. <gasps> that is my prediction. I mean, I think oh. there needs to be a heist, but that's just me. I mean, I, I'll this. take any excuse in a story for there to be a heist. Uh, you might as well. I'm right there with you. What if we do a little bit Ocean's 8 inspired? You have to disguise the weapons as something else to get them out. Maybe um, Tibia and shit. What was the name of the other one? Gherkin. Yeah. T- Tibia and Gherkin <gasps> yeah. are going to be part of the heist crew, I assume. Yes. Maybe yes. They're, the, yes. they're the distraction. Oh my God. I love this. Just put on a little show for, uh, for Grey. The whole I thing could this. just be like trying to understand what they're attempting to communicate through elaborate charades. <laughs> And then it's just full charades. Mm-hmm. They're playing with Gray. He he gets up there. He's got an idea. Okay, it's a film. Three <laughs> words. This is it. This is a great plan so far. Oz would be very proud, I'm sure. <laughs> and then most importantly, we get our fifth question. Mm-hmm. Why six months? An extremely important question. In a series ah! of important questions, but this one, potentially the most important. What a good moment. Mm-hmm. When the boys are like, oh, yeah, that's just what Gray gave us. <laughs> They need to start asking more questions if they expect to have good answers. Mm-hmm. There should be a lot more, listen, a lot more holding cards to your chest, a lot more asking questions, mm-hmm. and especially the question, did Gray give us this amount of time because it's what he thinks we need, or did he give us this amount of time because it's what he thinks he needs? Mm-hmm. Which as soon as Fearbulg asked that, one, again, great moment. Two, it does suddenly, like, you can flip back on moments where, like, Gray talks about having dragons gray talks Mm -hmm. about having a a a fleet of ships and you're like bullshit (laughs) you don't have any of that yeah they're in this situation where they're trying to prepare for something but i don't think they really know what they're preparing for exactly and while we're here what if he's planning some sort of just secret murder plot Mm. what's he what if what if this is all a ruse from him Hmm. what if he is trying to take out chaos (gasps) what i don't know maybe trying to free chaos (gasps) Ah. a lot of possibilities we don't we don't really know yeah listen uh i have an extra little whiteboard we'll just tack it to the wall (laughs) where we can start asking these osmandalius questions just to keep them in mind yeah because there's suddenly way more here to consider yeah i mean in, in in defense of them as players i don't know did we have this conversation about why the six months I think we talked about it a little bit, and I, I think we just assumed that um, yeah. it was like Travis's decision in terms of like, oh, we have to justify how many episodes we're doing or something like that. Right. Um, and the amount of time to do that in. That is true. We did ask why they would be given this amount of time versus just turning around and fighting each other. And yeah, I think that we just decided it was, well, because you don't have a show. <laughs> they just turn around and fight each other yeah. versus <laughs> making your players run around bolstering an army. Yeah, I think we we thought about it in the meta context and we did not, in fact, think about it in the internal context, which we certainly should have. Yeah, you got us, Trav. (laughs) 
This is good. This is very good. I enjoyed this episode so much. Not that like I usually don't. I always have fun listening. But like this one for some reason felt really fun. Yeah, no, I agree. And a lot of it was was sort of um, interstitial things that needed to happen. Like a good half of it's the battle, maybe maybe a mm-hmm. third. And then sort of catching up with Althea and, and yeah. getting some items and stuff. But it didn't feel um, inorganic, I guess. And, and not that yeah. I had a problem with like the, the moon interludes or anything like that. Like I was I was always fine with those episodes. But of course, this felt more like it was integrated into the timeline and yeah. not something that was separate from it. Um, I thought yeah. that worked quite well. Yeah, it was consistently moving. It felt like we got so much done. And again, anything we skimmed over was stuff that we as listeners, we as creators, we as people who also want to play in the sandbox can expand on on our own. Mm -hmm. A nice show, Travis and gentlemen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, is there anything we forgot to mention that we would like to bring up now? I don't think I do. I think we hit all the little sidebars I had. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm still waiting on that um, spinoff sitcom with the Hellhounds. But other than that. Mm. um, Yeah. Yeah. And that one's that one's just new. It's just been pitched. We'll see where it goes. (laughs) Is there any way to do kind of like a block of shows with the Hellhounds and with Gherkin and Tibia? Oh, yeah. No, for sure. You could definitely, okay. like, you double program those, like, back yeah. to back. You know, mm-hmm. it's a real power block there. Absolutely. Because then that also opens up the possibility if you wanted them to just be, like, 11-minute shows, you know, like, team up Adventure Time and regular show and, you know, mm-hmm. a little thing like that. They can share that space. Or is it, like, uh, maybe there's a host and then they're cutting between these ah. segments or something? Oh. Who would the host be? Like a Moltar. <laughs> like a wraparound segment mm-hmm. to hold them all. Okay. Like kind of a space ghost thing maybe, but like with with, uh, different segments. Yeah. I guess it would be a little bit more like uh, Kablam. Perfect. There it is. Yes. Oh, it just started raining here too. (laughs) Gray. Yeah, listen, we're making it very easy for any uh, networks that want (laughs) to pick this up. (laughs) We're working on a pitch deck now. Even Mm -hmm. though it's not our IP, it's probably fine. (laughs) It's probably fine. Storyboard's got it, you know. So, uh... 2021 looking good and okay who is ready for some more pull round robins we don't yet have results for the previous episodes poll but you know we got something new to ask so it's time to brainstorm some ideas for the name of althea's avengers initiative we'll have those poll options up over on our twitter at romancing sound and we will meet you back here for one more again next week (laughs) till then take care of yourselves take care of each other and thank you for joining us i'm al bailey and i'm ann kern and we've been romancing the zone Thank you.